0: Welcome to Inspiring Futures. I'm your host, Ed Cotton. This is a podcast where we talk about the how, what, and why of the future. Uh, welcome to another episode of Inspiring Futures. Um, my guest today is Adrian Ho of Zeus Jones and manning the controls in the, in the studio is Alexander Ray of Orcs. And, um, so, uh, Adrian, it's been a while, right? Since we chatted.
1: It has. Yeah. Yeah. A few years at least. It's yeah. definitely been a number of years since I saw you in person.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't make it to Minneapolis very often. <laughs> um, so could you, uh, one of the things we like doing is just, uh, given us a accelerated version of your uh, CV or resume, how you got to where you got to.
1: Um, All right, yeah. So, I mean, I don't don't think there's much of it that's very interesting or unusual. Um, I think like everyone, I fell into advertising. Um, The difference maybe is that um, because of where I was in my life and then just because I'm I tend to get fairly competitive. I started to decide if I was going to do advertising, I would, I should do it properly. Um, So I, you know, at the time had been in a bunch of not very good agencies in LA and I set my sights on trying to get to some better agencies, most notably Goodby in San Francisco. I think I interviewed there first time was maybe 93. I finally got a job there in 99 (laughs) and then having done that um, I then took a job at Fallon and was the head of planning there and and then yeah went from there to start Zeus in 2006
0: 2007 2007 God does it does it does it seem to you like that time has flown by since you started it It does
1: it it's you know, um, what's, what's interesting is, it was a somewhat similar time um, right yeah. then, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that there's, there's some things that are going on now that um, are quite, you know, yeah, very, very similar, you know, the sort of retreat back to um, the things that people feel are safe, um, a lot of nostalgia, uh, kind of longing for um you know for some of the more basic things um and a rejection of maybe some of the things that are new so it's in some ways this current time is bringing a lot of that back to me right now um yeah,
0: that makes sense so just just going rewinding a little bit to sort of you, you know you, you've done the the planning route you'd um headed up planning a 2006, 2007, you know, Fallon was a, diff- a different agency, wasn't it, to what it is now? Um, it you know, was. bigger. Yeah,
1: it was. Yeah, it was. I mean, so I joined Fallon in uh, 2001. Um, I think when I first joined, there were uh, about 450 people. Um, and then by the time I left, there were uh, maybe only about 200. I'm, I'm not sure how many there are now, um, honestly. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I actually loved most of my time at Fallon. It was an amazing place. Uh, I remember the first time I got there, I'd have this experience of walking around the corner, um, wandering into someone's office and just realizing that they were working on something incredible, you know, sort of the time of um, obviously, BMW films was going on, but mm-hmm. there was just a lot of innovation happening at Fallon. It was—it uh, really was a remarkable place. I still look back on it as something that um, was really unique, um, and it—you know—it lasted for for a long time, and it's obviously still going, and they're still doing great work today.
0: So. I mean, in terms of um, planners breaking out of agencies and doing their own thing. You guys, I mean, obviously, there's a ton of planners, myself included, who who, who go do freelance. And then there's some who set up, um, they, they, they make them a little bigger and they make them consultancies, but they're ostens- ostensibly doing the same type of job and they're working for agencies and a bit of client work. Did you, you guys have a vision when you started, Zeus Jones, that you were going to do something that was quite different?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that um, the, you know, and I've, I've talked about this before, but I I actually think sort of my journey to Zeus started in '96. Um, I was working on Microsoft um, and working on a lot of digital, um, um, you know, uh, advertising, and um, it really sort of occurred to me that we were treating digital um, in in what I thought was the wrong way because we were really looking at it as a communications medium and um, rather than you know really embracing all of the interactivity that digital can obviously give us and I think that that feeling persisted and you know really led all the way up to um, the decision at Fallon um, which as you know you know I started Zeus Jones with um, partners who also were at Fallon mm-hmm. but the, uh, you know I think both the technology, the time, the culture had all progressed to a point where that that feeling that I'd had in 96 was, um, we were able to actually do things about it. You know, you could actually do, you could create much more complex and much more nuanced interactions with with people. And um, that, that kind of coincided with, I think, the other part of it, which was, it felt like um advertising was becoming less and less useful in solving a broader range of problems and so it's really those two things it was like um you know there's clearly a ro- role for advertising and it um i think there's people that do it really really well and and i still appreciate it and but i, I don't. I don't think you're going to turn to advertising to solve a lot of the problems that most businesses have. And, um, yeah, we, we just wanted to maybe solve different kinds of problems. Mm -hmm.
0: So, um, how hard a pitch was that to make to prospective clients when you started?
1: (laughs) Um, it, it, it honestly, it was a nightmare. Um, and some, some of it it was because, um, you know, the, the founders were me, um, Rob White, who was also uh, the previous head of planning and then um, two of the uh, interactive creative directors. Mm-hmm. And so none of us really were that good <laughs> at explaining and, and pitching sort of business things. I and mean, we could explain and pitch creative, but we couldn't explain the pitch business things. I mean, mm-hmm. so um, so there was. How quickly cataly-
0: did you find that out? Was it was a was it a series of? Was it was it one event that really cat- was a catalyst? Of like okay, we we need to th- rethink this a bit. Or was it just?
1: Um, a that, of- it was a series of catalysts, and honestly, and and I've also told this story before, but um, it it really was. We we didn't. It, if if it hadn't been for the uh, former CMO of Nordstrom, um, who literally said i think what you're saying is complete nonsense but i like you anyway and i'm willing to give you a shot i mean if it it hadn't been for her we probably wouldn't be in business you know because yeah we were just so clumsy at it and and then also i think it wasn't um it wasn't as easy a concept for people to understand at the time um yeah i mean we we figured it out Fortunately, we figured it out once we were already moving and in business. We didn't have to figure it out in order to get into business. Yeah, and we were just really lucky.
0: Yeah. Um, so, how would you character, what would you characterize as? What, what's the gap you filled in terms of skill set, knowledge that you acquired to be able to be credible when you talk about business problems? What do you think? What do you think that you know, from selling creative to selling solutions to business problems? What was the gap that you, uh, skill gap?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to sort of the idea that, um, advertising, you know, that there are, there are a, a sort of limited set of, um, business challenges for which advertising is perfectly suited. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, um, what, what, what's happened over the years is that set of, set of problems has narrowed just because the set of challenges that businesses have, uh, overall has expanded. And so what I think our problem was, was that even though we were quite, you know, accomplished within advertising, we would never get to see um, a lot of the real problems that clients had. So we just were shielded from a lot of the realities of, of, you know, how business is done Mm -hmm. and what needs to happen in order to, you know, run a company of which advertising is a small but you know, it's a, very, it's, a, it's a very small part of it. Um, so so really what happened was we, because we made the commitment to say, we would like to see if if there's a, a way to apply the skills that we have from advertising at different parts of, you know, the business, um, you know, uh, landscape. Um, we, we started to get exposed to just more, um, more of really what business is about. And I think it, that, that helped us sort of understand Um, you know, how to, where, where we could really be useful. And then obviously from there, how we could articulate, you know, why we could be useful. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, it took, it took a, you know, embarrassingly long time, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. We, we were still talking about this, you know, six, seven years on and, and we, we still talk about it today. Um, I don't, I don't know that we've perfectly crystallized it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, I mean, businesses grow and evolve and they learn. And if they don't grow, evolve and learn, then they probably don't stick around. And I mean, it, it, it's a, you know, it's a testament to you guys that you 13, you know, 13 years of business, you made this, you made this thing work and you seem to be, uh, you know, doing some really interesting stuff. Um, what about creativity? What about, you know, the, how does, how does creativity get redefined in this environment because as much as you talked about advertising working on an narrow set of business problems um creativity within advertising you know is is it's it's its own thing yet the definition of creativity is, is way greater than advertising um, yeah is that something you guys think about is that something you yeah, guys we, have to
1: yeah we think about it a lot i mean i think that there's um... You know, our big realization has been that um, the skills of um, kind of understanding a problem, being able to kind of crystallize and figure out um, where that problem pivots, which is the strategic process, and then being able to express a solution in a really creative and inspiring way, those skills are incredibly valuable at all levels of an organization, whether you're talking about, you know, how do you actually get a group of individuals um, within an organization aligned to do something? And, you know, most companies are, are structured in a way that actually prevents you from really doing anything. I mean, it, literally, the organizational models are just, they're insane. So you have to work around them in order to get people to be able to collaborate and do things, um, all the way out to, you know, how do we, you know, how do we engage you? Um, you know, at a tiny little retail um, um, touch point, you know, because, you, you know, as you've got so much choice as a consumer, you're going to pay attention to those things that kind of, they, they open you up and they give you a bit more imagination. And it's all the stuff that we would talk about from a creative standpoint in the advertising world. And, and I think the thing is that, you know, and I don't want to get too sort of academic about it, but I, I think one of the truths of, Sort of postmodern or post postmodern society is that we've taken apart concepts that used to be tied together. So, this notion of creativity and advertising, they were so intimately entwined. And I think our sort of big trick, if you will, is like we've gone, no, no, those things are actually two separate things. There is creativity and then there is advertising, and they're not necessarily the same things. And once you do that, you, you realize you can apply creativity everywhere. And actually, it's more needed than ever because um, it's actually, it's actually very, very rare. And, and, you know, to sort of bring it down to the ground, I know you have been in those same situations as a, as a, a planner. I don't know if you call yourself a planner now, but as a, as a former planner where um, clients hinted to you that, it it be great if we could get some of your thinking and, you know, your team's thinking, um, but we just don't, we just, we're not doing any ads. And so in some ways they, you know, I, I, I look back and I, I realized that client, clients had been asking for us, for, for us to do something like this all all along.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. Cause you know, I'm now, now well into over 20 something episodes of this, um, podcast. And, um, it's, it's interesting talking to, to different strategists and, um, Amelia Tarodi. Um who um, was had a strategy of CCCP now runs a collective of strategists she's sort of like there's never been a better time to be a strategist than, than now Unbundled um, 'm bundled from advertising and if you think that everything is a brand basically and mm-hmm. everything needs a positioning and everyone everything needs to think about their experience, then the skills of a strategist are are more in demand than they've ever been. Um, and that's what, you know, that's kind of what she's doing, um, which is Mm -hmm. ostensibly the work, the work we were doing, but it's, it's being applied to a bigger, a a bigger canvas. Um, let's go back, let's go back to something you said that I think is a really interesting question for strategists, um, defining the problem. Mm -hmm. It's always something when we get into pictures, you know, um, Uh, we're always trying to work out what the hell the problem is. The consultant says one thing, the client says another, you haven't really got much access to data. Um, so you're trying to, you kind of, um, scrambling in the dark somewhat to try and work out what the problem could be. How, how you got, you know, with existing clients, you know, is, is data the, is, is data the thing that, that can really illuminate and get clients on board to, um, nod heads and say, yeah, that's interesting we need to, Um, or is it it, it a combination of things?
1: Honestly, I think, um, you know, data's part of it, but, um, more often than not, um, and, and and this is maybe sort of tied to the, what we were talking about before, um, more often than not, we're working with clients that have a very, very, very clear idea of what the problem is. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't, you know, they're not, and, um, I think increasingly and this is the problem for the consulting industry they're really not outsourcing the the uh, job of identifying the problem yeah um, they're outsourcing the job of um, coming up with a solution and coming up coming up with a solution in a really really yeah exactly in a really interesting and creative way um, because um, and, and it kind of makes sense because it's like i'm I'm not going to give up I'm not going to give up ownership of, of um, understanding of my business to someone else. And, you know, I, I don't think, I think most modern businesses would be like, no, that's the core, that's a core skill. We have to, we have to know better than anyone <laughs> what's going on in our business. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not saying that this is widespread, but I think that they, they, the most, most really good companies, you know, get this obviously. Um, and so, and it's an ongoing thing for them, but the, um, because they only need to solve these in a creative way um, uh, every so often. Um, it's, it's really not worth them carrying the burden of trying to create an environment to be able to house that kind of talent. Um, and so that, that more often than not, we come in, the, the problem has been very, very well defined. Now, in the course of figuring out what the right solution is. We may interrogate the problem a little bit, we may use data and stuff like that, but we tend to focus um all our energy on sort of going, okay, um let's figure out the most creative solution to that problem um we possibly can. And I'll say that there's another thing that um, and you may not have brought this up, but there's another reason why we behave that way. Um, it's because what we've also learned is that the thing that we're working on is one of probably 20 or 30 other initiatives that are going on within that company to solve um, similar parts of the same problem so the more that you spread out um you know the kind of the edges of your solution the more that you start to interfere with other teams that are really running hard at you know, their solutions or other initiatives, um, the more those things get bogged down and the harder they they get to do. And I, I, I definitely think um, this is one of the things that agencies um, tend to be guilty of, um, which is to sort of see the world in terms of like, well, advertising is the solution and we just need to apply this in more places. And so mm-hmm. a typical agency presentation may spread into areas where I think most clients are like, yeah, this is interesting, but really unhelpful because, you know, you're now trying to suggest advertising as a solution for something that I've had a team working 18 months on, you know? Um,
0: or, or, it's, or it's the other way kind of around, which is yeah. advertising. I mean, I remember <laughs> I remember back in the days of uh, the planning at the APG conference, seeing a, seeing a Crispin presentation where they unveiled a blueprint for a new VW. <laughs> and that sort of epitomized something to me that was like, yeah, at point, you know, it, it's, 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 it's audacious, but how could you possibly be credible in, uh, in, uh, in that against a company who's been doing this for a hundred years and uh, knows the intricacies of sourcing and blah, blah, blah. And all exactly. the other things. We're very good at putting picture, pretty pictures up on the wall. and say, Exactly. Saying, wouldn't it be cool if you, did X but um, yeah. the nuts and bolts uh, and the complications and the logistics of, of making those things happen um, is sometimes not really that understood it's conveniently pushed under the carpet right um, so you, you I mean you're saying that you know to summarize what you kind of said is you know you found you've gone out in the world and, and you found there are clients not only have problems, they know that know that what those problems are, and they're very precise about defining them. And what they're looking for is creative solutions to, to those particular problems that expand that are more than just advertising. And yeah, and this, the way to succeed there is to is is to to not overstep the mark, but to understand what your brief is and to really be focused at delivering. Um, delivering to those expectations, I guess is the right way to say it. Yeah.
1: And I, I I would say that this, this comes um, from, you know, our client base tend to be um, much, much larger organizations. So they're, they're um, you know, they have matrix structures Mm -hmm. and loads and loads of different teams and loads and loads of different initiatives. So the challenges that big companies face tend to be um, it's just really difficult to get something done. Yep. So you want to not you want to make sure that if they're bringing you in from the outside, you're not you're first of all not complicating the situation, you're not coming up with a solution that is um, so sprawling that it's it's again impossible to get done. Because the first reason why they've gone out to you in the you know in the first place is because they know that they can't get it done internally. And so they need, to, they, need to do, they need to go to an outside partner to get it done. So I think that, that's like, that was a lesson we learned very, very early on, which was like, if you want to be valuable, first of all, make sure that you come up with something that you can get done. And I think that that is about having focus and um, just really bringing elegance to the um, nature of the solution rather than trying to solve every other problem.
0: Thinking about digital, because that was kind of one of the impetuses for you guys, you believed in the potential of digital, 13 years onwards has digital lived up to the potential you think thought it had back in the day.
1: I think, I mean, I, I think, yeah, and, and still continues to, I mean, I think it's, I don't know that we've, I mean, I think everything is evolving so quickly. It's still, we're still, we're still so early in in everything you know it's it's and i you know I think that this was one of the things that um also led to us uh starting Zeus, which was just it's it's such an interesting time it's it continues to be such an interesting time. I don't think we've slowed down in terms of yeah. how how quickly things are moving um so i hope you know it, it was we we never imagined half of what's happened with digital um and i i doubt if we could you know imagine half of what will come with digital honestly um i i think that you know obviously this there's a real kind of wake up call here um going on right now um you know we do a lot of work in food one of the things that we've been batting around is um it was you know um, gro- online grocery was at five percent of total total uh, uh grocery mm-hmm. spend um, and it had been there for quite a long time. And most people were sort of saying, it's just not going to, it's just never going to take off, you know. Um, now, obviously, this is unusual. But the most recent data uh, I saw was that um, 49% of people said that they've bought groceries online.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, you know, we, we're just, I think that we, we are still at early days of sort of understanding how far digital can go and what it can do and where where, you know.
0: Yeah, and I think this, uh, and I think this, it, it's worth putting digital in the different. You know, digital is sort of, it's like creativity, <laughs> it's a big amorphous word. You know, exactly. And I mean, you got everything from programmatic and banners and the digital ad ecosystem, which has its benefits and its uh, negatives. Um, but then you've got the digital experience, and um, th- that seems to be. You know, when, you, when you're talking about um, direct-to-consumer models, um, mm-hmm. you're talking about online grocery, you're talking about the app economy, um, all those things, are, you know, are fundamentally transformative. And I, and I think what's so interesting about right now is you start to, you start to see the people who've, who've done it right. You know, this whole, you know, you've had a decade or more of talking about digital transformation. And I think every single consulting company that's done a digital transformation study comes back with the same data, which is about 19 or 23% of companies have actually completed a successful digital transformation. The right. rest, the rest have a lot to be a lot to achieve. And I think this has exposed that. Um, yeah, you know there is a massive gap between the people who really have it right and and down, and and the people who are sort of somewhat somewhat struggling. I mean even. I mean, yeah, this is unprecedented time for a, a company that's so astute as Amazon to um, have bottlenecks and supply chain issues um, gives you an indication of how how, how much how much has changed um, and how much business is being put online. But um, you know, I, I'm surprised at how you know uh, businesses. I mean, I I I've used this example before, like. A music venue hadn't thought about potential incremental sales from a live stream event. You know, different pricing models, building the different digital infrastructure to create. You know, I think, yeah, you can't go to a music venue digitally or anywhere, you go to a musician's house these days um, via a live stream. Um, but I think all these models now of like, well, if, if I'm Barry Presents or Live Nation, live streaming is a massive revenue opportunity. Why am I not, if I don't, comp- if I sell out of Meadowlands, do I then release a certain number of live stream tickets? And yeah. how, how do I price them? And what's that incremental revenue look like? Um, so I, I think there's a huge opportunity. Are going back to that digital business model Problem-solving revenue opportunity uh, area, and you're you're into some really interesting. You're going to, I think. I think having gone through this, I think clients are going to be way more receptive of um, these solutions that that um, you know are digital.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I think that was one of the things I was going to say when you were going through sort of like all of the different parts of digital. Um, It's sort of that it's it's the nature of digitization um and what digitization does when applied to industries that um we we've we've probably spent a lot of time thinking about probably like a lot of other people um because that that is one place where you do see sort of common patterns of um you know um and we've been fortunate enough to sort of be able to witness like you know, the disruption of music, then journalism and so on and so forth. And, you know, obviously it's now happening to the kind of marketing services industry or the creative industry now and healthcare and all of those sorts of things. So I think that is that is very interesting and um, obviously, uh, just, you know, uncomfortable for a number of people, but I totally agree. It opens up um, a massive amount of opportunity and it really forces you to have to think very differently about you know the kind of business you're in and a lot of the things that you might have taken for granted you know your music example of course is sort of like you know the, uh, the live experience was was sort of a premium price for a uh, still a limited number of people now you've got this live stream and you've got to adjust the business model because maybe it's a lower price for a lot more people and then that Itself opens up a whole bunch of other questions on the business. Those are really and interesting. What, things. What, what
0: is, you know, it's come up a couple of times in conversations, but the idea of a global bond release day to the global population at a buck a seat or something and you're breaking right. office records, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: and or not, I, not to mention the just the spectacular nature of that, you know, um, as an event, um, so yeah, I think I think it's gonna be really, really interesting. Just going back to food, because I know that's you said you know that's a world you, you 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 spend a lot of time in. What are you seeing right now? What are clients sort of asking? Because I've seen a lot of like I saw Conagra saying, you know, we're not we're not issuing any guidance. Sales sales are great, we're up thirty percent or something. Mm-hmm. Uh Heinz, Campbell, all these guys who were like legacy players who like people were going, uh, they're dead. They're dead in order. Campbell's is yeah. dead. And now they've had this re- crazy resurgence, um, and I guess I, have you had conversations about? Um, I guess how do you sustain that? You know, is 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 is, is are people, people going to flip back to um, their old ways as soon as they get released? Um, yeah,
1: I mean, we've had some, we've definitely had some conversations, and this is sort of what I was alluding to at the uh, beginning of the, the um, our chat. You know. Um, 2008, very similar situation. Um, Packaged goods, uh, pet food um, really went gangbusters. And um, that continued for a number of years, um, honestly, because people, um, you know, the recovery was fairly slow. I mean, I think I just saw data today that showed um, the economy really didn't recover till 2011, um, from 2008. So, so for those three or four years, I think uh, business was, was very, very good. Um, I think one of the conversations that we've been trying to have um, is um, a lot of the clients we worked with, we worked with at that same time. And, you know, so the question is, um, right now, what they're dealing with is actually recalibrating all of their supply because they did, um, they based volume off of a a situation that is no longer in place so actually in order to meet that new demand is is quite challenging because you'd already Mm. you know you'd already made bets on what this year was going to look like in some cases um you know a year and a half ago in many cases um even longer than that if you actually control um and you have anything to do with sort of the planting and the seeds and all of that sort of stuff yeah so, so that that's actually a very difficult thing to change quickly, mm-hmm. um, but the I think the conversation that um, is being had is okay. We we this is sort of a salvation. It was like a you know kind of um, yeah. It's it's a it was really a, a gift, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And can can they use this time to also? Um, do the things that they knew they needed to do in order to be competitive and, you know, be relevant and lead afterwards, because we will probably go back to some version of normalcy where, um, where, you know, if it, if it's exactly the same old stuff, um, it's not going to be terribly useful. And I think that that's the conversation we're trying to have. I'm not sure how much success we're having across the board, but, um, it, it, you know, if you look at sort of the long-term trends, uh, and, and we also, I'll send you this, but we also did a look at, like, of so what, what happened after 9-11? Well, there was a lot of immediate change, but a lot of the changes that we thought were really going to happen didn't actually end up happening. I mean, and, you know, you could be quite cynical about it, like, we have to take off our shoes and put our liquids, you know, in a bag. That's, that's what changed. <laughs> and, um, there's, there's a, there's a danger that we, we could overreact in this term time as well. And, um, and we won't, we're not going to be ready for when, when things do come back, which they probably will come back to some, some version of what we had, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I do, I do think it's interesting. I mean, I, I think the fact that, uh, yeah, it, it sort of depends. I think if, you know, if you look at nine eleven, if there had been further attacks, you know, if there'd been one every six months, I mean, mm-hmm. that would have changed our behavior if, if you know, if um, this comes back in the winter, you know. Yeah. Um, I think you start to see things like, I'm not sure I want to go to the Vikings game with 50,000 other people, you know, yes. yeah. so I, I, I think, I think it depends how, you know, it, it really depends how it plays out. I wonder if, I wonder if we can switch, um, for the final few minutes and talk a little bit about talent. Um, cause I know, I, I know I have quite a few strategists listening who are looking at what they need to develop and how they should develop, uh, whether that's inside advertising outside. Um, what have you found in terms of the the mix of talent, the, strat- the strategy talent that you have, and what kind of skills do you believe make up a great team? Is this James?
1: Yeah, I think um, I mean it. I'd say it's a, it's a sort of hard question to answer at one level because um, I I really don't like the idea that there's sort of a a model that um, that has to be you know. Adhere to in order to work at a company. It sort of suggests that a company is static, and I think you know, I'm. We're much more interested in like what, what, what could you bring to us, and then mm-hmm. therefore, how could Zeus be different um, uh, as a result of your contribution. Um, but I, but I think that um, from a strategist standpoint, you know, uh, we were talking about this, and I think that our kind of like our superpower, if you will, is. Um, um kind of um um dis- managing and distilling complexity um down you know, like we get very very fuzzy problems and and our yeah. job is to to cut to the sort of core of like what what are those problems yeah and in, in in order to do that um i think you need a lot of you just need sort of um very very um sort of you know rigorous first principles thinking which is you know um just d- breaking it down from a logic standpoint we found that that is like actually i know it sounds simple mm-hmm. but it's it's actually overrated and it's quite rare um to just be able to break down a problem like i can't solve this entire problem i can solve this bit of it then i can solve this bit of it then i can solve this or in order to solve this bigger problem i need to solve these four smaller problems and they and challenge of identifying those small smaller problems and then doing that that's actually a very difficult skill so i say that that's one big thing um, that we probably could never have enough of honestly and then the second thing is that uh, i think that um and this goes for everyone at zeus but we really um we fully believe that um it, things are changing that and things continue to change Um, And we want to be part of helping understand how things will be, not how things were. And so what that means is you have to be willing to let go of what you know um, today. You have to be willing to really embrace um, not knowing. And in some ways, you have to enjoy the idea that you don't know something. And I think that that's a difficult thing for strategists um to to do and so that's I, th- I think it's those two things if you could bring those two things together um you're probably going to do really well here.
0: yeah so that's interesting so it's kind of it, it's like that that ability for synthesis and distillation applied with a level of creativity uh, because it you you have to sort of imagine right you have to yeah how to see potential and see potentials. Yeah, that's great. That's really interesting. So, um, wrapping up, what can we, have got a couple more minutes. Um, so what's, what are you, what are you thinking in terms of, um, brand responses? I mean, this is one of, this is about a conversation I'm about to go into, but yeah. how, how, you hearing that marketing is on hold and what marketing is being done is, is, uh, related to, um, uh, more socially responsible efforts. Um, I was thinking actually, um, as a pet owner myself, and I know you work with pet food brands, um, how this problem, we don't, you can't get a dog in New York. Um, all the dogs have been taken out of the shelters, i.e. adopted, which is incredible on one hand. But then it, 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 I wonder if there's a, a service here in the future for pet, pet food companies to, we don't want them going back into the shelters. Um, so that, that was just an interesting behavior that I'd read about, that people felt that this was a time to get a dog. Um, whether that dog stays with them, it could be just very impulsive. Um, yeah. I, I think there's i think again it's sort of another interesting skill is sort of working your way around the situation and seeing instead of seeing problems maybe you see opportunities um, right. mm-hmm. uh, and, you know I was talking about you know a huge um, hidden problem that's not mentioned now is is domestic abuse mm-hmm.
1: um,
0: that and so just being able to look at the situation and imagine and be smart about um what challenges and opportunities exist i think is 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 really what clients are looking for right now
1: yeah i think um we, we actually and you know it's probably a longer conversation but we spend a lot of time uh, thinking about this i think that there's maybe two things that um we we think of on the on the uh, sort of plus side um You know we think that there is a time for brands to really be useful and um and in being useful um potentially lean in and excel lean into and accelerate um the progress that they might have made in um unusual in less unusual times um and um and do those things that um maybe they they wouldn't have risen to the fore um and I, I think that there's some examples of brands doing that. Conversely, um, just because there's so much misinformation and um, and flawed and and um, you know um, and, and, and just you know incomplete information flying around, I think there's also a lot of brands that are just sort of jumping to conclusions and doing things that actually don't you know sort of serve their brand or the business, um, but they just feel very reactive to the times and i think that it's you know there's just an awful lot of that stuff going around right now and um it it, we don't we really don't need more noise out there i think we've got so much um and i think i think that there is a responsibility for for brands to also help preserve some calm and some and provide leadership in terms of not not adding to the confusion that everyone already has
0: no, yeah, it's great. Thank you so much. That was a great, uh, great chat. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, and uh, want to catch up a little bit more soon.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Ed.
0: All right. Thanks. Have a good rest of your day. Okay. Bye. This is your host Ed Cotton. Thank you so much for listening to Inspiring Futures. Until next time.